Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. I'm Iris and I'm joined in the studio today with Frank. How are you going? Uh, good, thank you. Um, and before we begin with the sh- um, show, I'd just like to acknowledge that we're broadcasting over the lands of the Kulin Nations, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples, as well as wherever else people are listening in from. And I'd like to acknowledge this land is stolen, genocide is ongoing, and c- colonialism is continuing on this land. Um, I'd like to pay my respects to elders past, present and future and acknowledge any Indigenous listeners. Um, yeah, and um, in terms of today's show, I'm going to be t- talking to Bridget from Sound School, which is a project that is looking at a bunch of um, addressing the structural barriers a lot of marginalised people face in electronic music and training people up. I'll be talking to them and I'm going to be talking to Frank later um, about Frank Cadilloro about some comics stuff that they do and I'm sure a bunch of other stuff. Um, and first I'm going to start you off and also in terms of subscribing, it is Radiothon Week and we really need your support. Um, if you'd like to donate, donate to the Throwing Year. We really need it. We need to raise $1,100. Dollars. Our, the ne- our next week's show on Sunday is our Radiothon show and we'd like to have, we'll read out your n- name on air if you'd like and we acknowledge the generous support you're giving because, um, yeah, without your support, this radio station couldn't keep going and we really need your support. Um, so you can donate by looking at the 3CR website and there's a big Radiothon post and you can find our Radiothon Give Now page, which we have recently set up. Um, I think we have on the line Bridget from Sound School. Can you hear Hi. me? Hi there. Yeah, How can are you? you? Hear me? Yeah, I can I'm hear you. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, so, what can you tell our listeners about Sound School? Um, I can tell you that we have this new program coming up that we're launching next month at Fusgrey Community Arts Centre. Um, we wanted to run a series of longer courses for people wanting to get deeper into different um, aspects of electronic music. Sound School overall is, we're like a community project that runs electronic music workshops aimed at upskilling and celebrating folks who maybe find it that they have to kind of overcome certain structural boundaries to accessing electronic music. So... Uh, people of colour, people from the queer community, women and girls, people with disabilities, um, people that have traditionally been at the centre of pushing electronic music forward um, but don't always get celebrated in the way that they should. Um, Yeah, like if you think about it, so many genres of electronic music, we really owe their birth to people from these communities in the first place. So it's really annoying that it ends up being traditionally white cishet guys that are kind of profiteering from it and get generated and shape it and that kind of thing. So, yeah, Sound School just looks to take a really positive approach to changing that. Um, and we've been running lots of kind of like one-off workshops last year and this year. Um, this year we've ended up doing a lot of 
youth programs um, at different youth centres around Melbourne, like Phoenix Youth in Footscray and Signal Youth Arts in the city. And those have been really great, but we're also aware that, you know, it needs to be available to people of all ages, not just people under some arbitrary cutoff of what constitutes a youth. Um, mm. Yeah, so we really wanted to run an all-ages series of programs. Um, so... Yeah, starting from the 31st of July at Footscray Community Arts Centre, um, we'll be running an eight-week course, like one workshop a week on DJing, uh, an eight-week course on Ableton, eight-week course on sound engineering, and an eight-week course on synthesizers and electronics. Um, and each of these programs will be coordinated by a different Melbourne artist and then will feature a huge range of really amazing local artists as kind of guest facilitators for each workshop as well. So it's really nice in that it puts kind of maybe slightly more established Melbourne artists in a mentor role um, and allows them to kind of, yeah, teach more emerging creatives what they wish that they had been, you know, exposed to when they were first starting out as well. Because you talk to so many people who maybe make electronic music now and they're like, oh, I had nothing like sound school when I was starting. I had to, you know, do some really punishing sound engineering course that was full of bros. You probably still have to do that, actually. Mm. Um, or, like, you know, people never took me seriously at shows. It was really hard to play on lineups where I wasn't the only, you know, like, queer person, person of colour, woman, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, so we're just hoping to change all of that, basically. And all of these courses are free um, because we feel really strongly about making um, this kind of education accessible to anyone in any income bracket as well. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So in terms of prioritising um, people that face structural barriers and oppression and learning skills as barriers for learning in terms of electronic music, how do you go about doing that? Um, so all of the facilitators that we get to come in and teach are people that are also from these different communities um, and have had to kind of fight their own battles to get to where they are. Um, and I think that's really nice, even just if you're, say, like, you know, a young person from the suburbs that would love to learn how to use Ableton, but the only access that you have to it is watching punishing tutorials of men on YouTube <laughs> telling you how to do it. And then I think it's often just quite exciting being able to go to a workshop and see someone who's not from that mainstream background mm. saying like, hey, look, you can do this. And it's kind of inspiring to be surrounded by a whole bunch of other people that are also from super diverse backgrounds, um, learning it together with you. And we just make a really strong effort to kind of promote all of our events through our own community channels. So like through the queer community, through, through like people of colour communities and that kind of thing. Um, in terms of the actual like sign up for this program that we have coming in, it's great arts. Um, we've just got like a little, if you're interested, um, you can go on our website and register for it. Um, and we just have like a little sign up sheet that we ask people to fill out. Mostly it's so we can find out what it is that people are interested in learning. So we make sure that we focus on all the material that 
it is that people actually want to learn. Like, you know, with the DJing one, it's like, well, what kind of style of DJing do you want to learn? Um, and then we can tailor it from there. And then we've also asked a couple of questions um, about kind of like demographics. And we really had, we really wanted to avoid those kind of super boring at best and kind of traumatic at worst questions that you often find on forms that kind of ask you to prove your marginalization or perform your marginalization. You know, how many times have mm-hmm. you filled out a form where there's that question, are you Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander? Um, or you have to identify, you know, like what kind of social background you're from, or you have to say if you're a member of the LGBT community and that kind of thing. And we really wanted to flip the script on that kind of questionnaire because I think it always to um, promote the visibility of the other, like make the other, like the non-mainstream person, even more visible and kind of stand out even more and make them feel more self-conscious and maybe more vulnerable. Um, Whereas it's quite easy to just completely fly under the radar if, like, you're relatively privileged. Um, So really what we've done is just ask a couple of questions saying... Um, are you white? Are you cis male? And do you own over 50k a year? Because we thought that, like, not to, it's it's not to attack anyone or anything like that. Of course, we just wanted to kind of identify people who maybe are relatively privileged already, and if that's the case, they could probably access this stuff somewhere else because Sound School's resources are always limited. And we really want to make sure that it goes to the people who need it the most. Um, the questions aren't meant to be kind of, yeah, offensive or intrusive or anything like, like that. And if anybody feels offended by them, we hope that it would just make them kind of contemplate their own privilege and, yeah, what they can do with it, basically. Um, yeah, we often find that because we have a really open-door policy of inviting everyone to sound school, but I think that you often find with projects that are kind of aimed at people that are maybe going to have more trouble accessing certain like groups or services, you often just end up attracting a lot of the people that don't have those problems to overcome because if you're super privileged, you usually just assume that everything is for you, no matter what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of hard to undo that. So... Yeah, instead of asking people to perform their marginalisation, which is something we have no interest in doing, we just, yeah, ask a simple couple of questions about, like, oh, so are you quite privileged already? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah. Maybe would you like to go and, like, you know, pay for classes in this instead or something? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a tricky one, and I don't know if there's a perfect model, but we we made a point of consulting with quite a few other community groups that maybe deal with similar issues in how to address this. Um, Ultimately, um, each of these courses coming up for Scree Arts um, will have 12 regular places for the entire course. So if you get in and do the course, then there'll be kind of like eight classmates that you'll do the whole, um, let's say, term with. Um, But then we'll also have um, four drop-in spots for each class. So say that you don't get into the course, um, 
but there's maybe like one particular class you'd, you'd really like to come to the circuit bending class or the you know vinyl DJing class or something, then you can totally just book in to come to that one class. And we thought that was kind of a happy medium between making sure the people that obviously really, really, really need to access these services get to come and do the entire program and then other people that are really interested, but maybe, yeah, it'd be better if they just came to like one or two classes they can get a drop-in spot mm. yeah yeah cool sounds sounds really good um in terms of that that process of prioritizing um people marginalized facing different forms of structural oppression have you had any pushback from that from um i guess like more mainstream mainstream funders etc yeah we have um I don't think it's like too much of a big deal. I think it's just it just it goes against the regular grain of how people try and gather that demographic information. As I said, I feel like everyone's filled out some form where they have to yeah, like answer some uncomfortable question about their gender identity or you know, what language mm-hmm. they speak at home. It always singles out someone who, you know, isn't cis and doesn't speak English at home and that kind of stuff. Um, and, yeah, we've had a little bit of a negative response to it from some of the people that we're working with. But, I don't know, we're sticking to our guns about it because we feel quite strongly about it. And we don't think it's a very radical model either. Like, <laughs> I think once you think no. about it, you're like, oh, why doesn't everybody do this? It's a much more straightforward way of getting the information that it is that you're actually trying to get. Um yeah. Yeah. Um, I just hope that, yeah, the more people are kind of aware of this model of just, yeah, asking people more about, like, their various privileges as opposed to their various marginalizations, it will just become a more and more mainstream way of doing it. Yeah. It's a really tricky thing, to, like, because in, in setting up Sound School, we, like, we never wanted to have to be in this position of kind of, judging who is more worthy of coming. So we really prefer to leave it up to participants to, you know, think about their own place in the world and their place in electronic music communities and then they can make their decision from there about whether they want to come or not. And a lot, like, by and large, like, when you give people that opportunity, they're really good about it. Like, a lot of people will message us saying, oh, hey, I want to come to this event, but I really don't want to take someone else's spot, like you know, blah, 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 what do you think? And, like, it's just nice to get people kind of thinking about it and, mm. yeah, taking some initiative on it, really. Yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of, um, yeah, just reminding listeners where they, they can find out find out about Sound School, what are the ways to get in contact um, yeah, with you? Yeah, cool. So if you want to sign up for the Flipgrade Arts, program and please do just please register we'd love to have you even if you reckon you just want to come to like one or two workshops um you should definitely sign up if you go to our website melbournesoundschool.org um you'll find a link there that just asks you to fill out that little form and then we can get back to you when we've processed all the applications um if you just want to follow our other events in general there's a calendar on that website and also, just follow us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Melbourne Sound School. Or you can follow us on Instagram, which is sound underscore school. Um, 
yeah, those are the best ways to get in touch with us. We don't have any other... We finished up kind of like our first round of programs for the semester, except for our last workshop at um, Signal Youth Arts will be happening in two weekends. Um, it's going to be super cute. Uh, it will be a workshop on how to turn everyday objects into MIDI controllers um, using this little tech toy that we've got called a Makey Makey and really just uses anything that's capable of conducting electricity. You can actually turn it into a MIDI controller or essentially a replacement for the keyboard on your computer. So we're talking like different kinds of fruit or like mm -hmm. different like household objects, that kind of stuff. Yeah, if you want to sign up for that, then, yeah, go on our Facebook and there's a link to it. Um, and we'll have other various workshops and events coming up over the rest of the year as well. We usually run about one artist's talk a month where we profile an artist who, you know, whose work we love. They might be local, they might be international, and we get them to kind of open up one of their production sessions, basically, and talk us through it and show us some of their secrets. Um, yeah, so just keep an eye on what we have coming up. We always have something on. Yeah, cool. Um, we'll definitely post um, links to that in the podcast, etc. Um, thanks for your time, Bridget. Thank you um, so much for having me. No worries. Um, okay, bye. Bye. And next we're going to play Sex Appeal by Pillow Pro. You're listening to Queering Yeah, and I'm Iris, and I'm joined in the studio with Frank Canuloro, um, who is a comic artist in Melbourne. Um, how are you going? Uh, very good, thank you. So, could you tell listeners a bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I am a agenda comic creator, currently living in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, I self-publish my own uh, comics under the publishing label of Frank Comics, which I have been doing ever since October 2010. Um, I originally started out doing a lot of um, uh, genre stuff, so a lot of um, horror and sci-fi, but um, as the years progressed, I've done a few other genres, and uh, now the stories are less about genre and more about about um more about like promoting promoting queer people and um like marginalized characters that you don't typically see in mainstream stories and um sort of sort of showing the the difficulties that comes with um with, with being themselves as well as um uh, identity issues but also having a positive spin suggesting that that you know there is a there there is always a always a place for these characters and that they're important and you know, in in the hopes of sending out a positive message to queer readers that are that are reading the books. Um, yeah. So, is comics one of your passions, and are, are there other things you're passionate about? Um, I'm definitely passionate about comics. Uh, also, I'm also very passionate about uh, film. That was actually how I got it started in the first place. Uh, back back when I was 19, I, I used to do a lot of film. Um, and uh, it, it worked. It worked for a little bit. Um, but film in, in in Australia is kind of very difficult. Uh, it's it's definitely a part time industry, and uh, it's it's very hard to get anything made here. And I was feeling a little stifled 
Um, so mm. after that, I kind of uh, pursued animation for a bit, and that was a lot better because I could do like a lot of creative things. Unfortunately, it also took a very long time to make. Uh, so I kind of got into comics that way. Um, I think the thing that I really like about comics is that um, it's 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 a very freeing uh, form of uh, creative expression in the sense that I think just about anything that you can think of um, can be done. Provide I mean, provided you um, you're able to draw it, and you know there's no like uh, budget restrictions. There's you know, you don't have to go find actors to be in in the comic, obviously, because you're drawing them. Um, but also it leaves a lot to the imagination, like, um, because when you read a comic, um, the most important thing about a comic is the uh, what's in between the panels, the space between the panels, because that's where the reader feels the imagination in. It's where the reader... Um, imagines what's going on uh, they put the, the panels together and that I find really interesting because you know every person reads the comics differently so it's a different experience for each and every reader mm. yeah, in terms of reading comment um comics um what are some of some comic creators comic comic art- artists that you're influenced by um and you've read a lot I guess ah oh, it's a good it's a good question there's uh, quite quite a lot of creators um, I really like, I, I really like, um, the comics of Noelle Stevenson. Uh, she did Lumberjanes. She also did another comic, uh, called Nimona, uh, Nimona and I think that was what it is. I, I apologize if that's not the right, to, uh, pronunciation, pronounce, uh, pronunciation. Can't even get that word right. Okay. But, um, but the thing about these, uh, comics was that it was, uh, promoting young, young queer kids and, you know that that I think is especially really important, um, and and in particular with Nimona because it's a it's a medieval story. So so um, seeing those kind of characters in genre is uh, very inspiring to me. So that's that's the kind of thing that uh, keeps me going. Um, I guess I, I like a lot of like underground uh, a lot of underground comic stuff. Um, I also also really like uh, Sophie Campbell. Uh, she's a uh, she's a she's a trans artist who uh, is most famous for doing work on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and uh, Gem and the Holograms comic. Um, uh, she draws a lot of like really cute and adorable uh, uh, queer kids, and um, a, a lot of them are, are plus sized, and and that's something that I think is very important to see in comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, her illustra- illustration style is. Uh, it's really amazing, like a lot of like you know circular curves and a lot of like cute little uh, cheruby faces. It's it's something that's inspired me a lot, and and I guess just like a lot of um a lot of like local zine artists, um I'm I'm very influenced by as as well. So just like so I guess like just the the, the local zine community here in mm. Melbourne, I'm also very inspired by. Yeah, could you tell you tell listeners about um how you found the local zine community um in terms of so being a supportive place for you to develop your practice, what what have your experiences been? Uh, for for the most part, I would say it is. Um, the, the the way I got into it and the way I got into comics in the first place, it was um, I was looking for a job back in two thousand nine, and there was this uh, there was this ad for a local uh, comic uh, anthology called. Yuck, uh, this was produced by Milk Shadow Books, uh, by, uh, who, who would end up becoming one of my friends, James Andre. And he was looking for a lot of, like, horror stuff and, um, 
just getting out of like uh, animation school and haven't really done a comic, I kind of like approached him and was like, look, I haven't done any comics, but here's my drawing style. Do you think it would fit? And he said, yeah, sure. Like go send something. So, so I did. And that was kind of how I got into the zine community in the first place. Um, and while I was, while I was there, um, there's, there's definitely a big uh, uh, queer following in the zine community. Um, but when I was sort of exploring my, my, my gender and figuring out my identity, it was a little difficult because, um, a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of the comics community is, uh, very, uh, male dominated. And mm. so I was a little uncomfortable, you know, talking to them about this sort of thing. And, you know, even, even if they would understand, even if they, you know, they were sympathetic, it was still pretty difficult for them to understand it. Um, but then in 2015, uh, I, I ran to this uh, local zine called Concrete Queers. It was mm. done by Alison Evans and Catherine Back, and um, I read I read that for a bit, and um, it was it was it was definitely eye opening and really comforting to see, you know, other other non binary people, other queer people doing that zine. I ended up uh, applying for that zine several times. I did the cover for one of them. Um, and so that 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 I think was the turning point, and it kind of made me realize that there is a whole uh, pub, uh, right, uh, publishing world out there besides just lo- like local comics, and that you know there's plenty of people in the in the in the zine community that will support young queer kids, mm-hmm. and um, and it's all it's also been it's also been good for me because um, I'm. I'm I'm 32, so I guess I'm one of the older older queer queer people. So it it's it's good. It's it's just good to know that there are these people out there, and that you know, the the I think the young queer generation is being lo- looked after. I think we've got a lot. Of, I think we've got a lot of support in zines, at least. Mm, yeah, that's that's really good to hear. Um, in terms of your work, yeah, it explores many issues. Like any issues of identity, could you tell listeners more about that? Okay, um, so back back when I was doing a lot of um, horror and sci-fi comics, I sort of was trying to figure out what it was about horror that interested me, and I think a lot of it was I used to love the old Universal monsters like Frankenstein and the Wolfman, and I mean the thing the thing about um, what I loved about those characters was they were you know they weren't portrayed as as evil per se they were more just like misunderstood and like you know reviled by society and i i kind of really identified to that even though at the time i hadn't really figured out my identity yet so i wasn't really sure why i was relating to this and um you know unfortunately there is a big history of um like storytellers like betraying queer people and um uh you know as as evil and which which I think is is very problematic to say the least and I think it's important to I think I think just like pr- promote more positive promote more positive um uh like like queer role models um but but through but through the form of of genre so um a, a lot of my a lot of my work does deal with like identity issues about you know if feeling like you're you're one of the other feeling like you know feeling like there's like something like inside of you that you you can't quite understand and you don't really have a have have a definition for that but but also embracing also embracing that i think like um the my my 
my publishing label, Frankie Comics, is named after after Frankenstein. I I I I really identify with Frankenstein a lot. I've got a Frankenstein tattoo. Um, you know, he, for for me, he, he he just sort of represents like feeling like you know feeling like you don't quite know who you are. You don't quite know how how you're you're made, and but but also just just embracing that. So it, it deals with a lot of like identity issues of that like that. It does deal a little bit with um like social and body dysphoria, which is not an easy topic for me to talk about. Um. But it's something I, I feel the need to get out in um in 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 fiction because I feel like that's that's especially important is the um uh, I think what's 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 the word that I would describe um the it feels conf- no that's not the word. I I guess if I feel better knowing that I've um you know expressed myself on the page and I've gotten it gotten it out it's um it's very um it's very freeing i guess yeah to to do that so um yeah so so yeah it explores a lot of um identity issues and and but but also just trying to also just trying to embrace the fact that we're all different and that's okay like we don't all have to be the same and that's what that's what makes life worth living i think Mm. um yeah, in terms of, I was thinking when you were talking about positive represent positive representation, which is so important when there is like these tired tropes that you mentioned. Um, um, do you find a way to navigate the tension between positive representation and wanting to develop characters that have nuance and complexity and do bad things as well? Yeah, it's um this is an it's an issue that I've been uh, discussing with a few other like um uh, queer authors and that is always the issue of like um because when you know when we're not portrayed as evil we're also it's sort of like the there's the other trope of the tragic queer story where all our lives seem to end in in tragedy or worse we get killed we would get killed off in stories and that's that's also very that's very difficult and we want to prom- you know the the idea is we want to promote more positive stuff of like queer people living happily um but at the same time it's also important to acknowledge that we've also gone through difficulties and i think that's okay to acknowledge as well um so finding a balance there is is very difficult but i think i think i think it's i think it's okay to to acknowledge that the the problems that we go through and I don't think it necessarily means that the that the story will be sad or that there isn't a happy ending. I feel like there I feel like there I feel like there can be. Yeah. Mm, cool. Um so where can listeners go to find out more about you and your work? Okay. I have an online store. If you go to gumroad.com slash Frankencomics, uh you can find all my comics there. Um I've got comics dating back to two thousand and twelve. So you'll find a lot there to interest you. Um, I have a I have a Patreon which you can pledge to. That's Patreon.com/slash/FrankenComics. Um, and if you look up FrankenComics, uh, FrankenComics with an X at the end um, at Instagram, and also FrankenComics on Facebook, you should find me there. I'm I'm all over the internet. Yeah, cool. Do you have any plans for the future in terms of stuff you're working on? Um. 
at the moment, I'm working on one big book. Uh, it's called uh, Prince Transylphoria. It's sort of a traditional horror horror comic about a young queer prince and they're in a polyamorous relationship with um, two other vampires. Um, it's 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 very cool. I I yeah, quite cool. like it. <laughs> um, so I've been working on that since 2017, and. Uh, uh, I'm still working on it now. I'm hoping to get it out sometime by the end of this year, hopefully early 2019. Um, and I'm also working on a few other like mini comics that I'm probably going to be publishing throughout the year and um, hopefully hopefully visiting a lot of um, zine fairs and comic fairs uh, sometime this year. So yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff on the horizon for me. Cool. Sounds like an exciting period ahead. Um, thanks for your time with this interview. Um, Yes, it's Radiothon time at 3CI here, so please donate and donate to three donate to Crania if you would like to. We'd really appreciate it. Um, and in that bracket, there was "Be Kind to Yourself" by Willow Beats, who um, are a duo. They've recently gone on a hiatus here in Melbourne, Nam. And the second was um, the second track was "Tension" by Kira Peru, who's a Kudupok artist in. Melbourne Nam. Um, so we've reached the end of our show today. Um, thanks so much for listening. Um, I've been joining the studio here with Frank. Um, how's it been being in the studio? Uh, it's been it's been really good. It's uh, been quite the learning experience. Yeah, it's, it's a lot that goes on in the studio. Um, and yeah, that's a bit pointless to talk about to listeners who can't see all that <laughs> um <laughs> yeah um but i've got a few things to promote before we go um in terms of things that are coming up in coming up soon um there's mama alto and Mi- mr munro presenting magic happens queer lady magician magician fundraiser on june 13th and that's at hairs and hyenas at seven thirty. Um, yeah, and Hairs and Hyenas at, is at 63 Johnson Street, Fitzroy. Um, so yeah, that's an, an, a really interesting event that's coming up. Um, and we've had, cre- and it's a fundraiser for Creatrix Chiara and Deb and I intru- um, interviewed her on a previous show and she's raising funds for her Queer Lady Magician project. And on the lineup is Mama Alto, George Munro, Nikki Sponday, Artemis Mun. Manu's, um, Bradley Stora and like lots more. So yeah, check that out if you're interested in that. Um, the second thing I have to for listeners to check out is the opening of the Insedium Radical Library, which is a, a sort of info shop space in Westwood Scray. Um, that's also where undercurrent material, which undercurrent is just the transformative justice and like community education project, and have previously spoken to people from Undercurrent on this show. And so, yeah, they're having it opening, they're opening, and that's on June 16th from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Um, then we'll have poetry by Pan Dan, Pope Fred, and Chi Tran, who's also been on this show. And music by DJ Abyss, who you'll stay tuned in next to hear Hip, Hip Sister Hop, and you'll hear more from her so check that out folks and one last thing in terms of getting contact with Cronier 
can message, message us on our Facebook and our Twitter or email us um, email us at queeringthead at gmail.com. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.